Welcome to season two of Ready or Not Prepares, the Disaster Preparedness Podcast. And I am your host, Michelle. It's been a while and I'm so glad to be back on my podcast, especially in a time like this. Again, thank you for joining me. So much has happened since my last broadcast. What about the end of 2019 and the start of 2020 itself? I have to tell you, the last four months has been overwhelming as it relates to disaster preparedness. I am honestly still trying to wrap my mind around all that has occurred and is occurring. Let me try and um, put it in perspective by quickly chronicling some of the more significant events that we've recently lived through in, say, the last five or six months span. Okay, there was the bushfire in Australia, wildfires in the Amazon, in in Brazil, wildfires in California, which I know is somewhat natural, but 2019 was especially destructive. The hurricanes that devastated the Bahamas. Now, as a matter of fact, we traveled to the Bahamas um, just after the hurricanes hit and witnessed some of the impact of the hurricanes. Um, the, The beaches were closed. You couldn't go on the beaches. So yeah, certain parts of the Bahamas were devastated. Then there were locusts. Uh, Don't forget the locusts that happened in India and Las Vegas, Nevada of all places. That alone should have been a sign of what was to come. There were droughts. I think there were droughts in India and Puerto Rico. We can't forget Puerto Rico, which was hit with a destructive hurricane in 2018, I think it was, but then they experienced a pretty serious earthquake at the end of 2019. So continue prayers for Puerto Rico. Continue prayers for all of us, really. So while we're on the subject of earthquakes, I think it was a couple of days ago, there was a 3.7 magnitude quake in California and there was a minor one in Idaho not to mention what was it last month in Utah there was a 5.7 magnitude quake I'm actually in the last um, few couple of months there have been earthquakes in Indonesia, China, Russia, Japan, the Honduras. In January, Jamaica suffered a 7.7 magnitude earthquake. I'm really, um, I'm trying to go over this pretty quickly um, and trying to remember there were volcanoes. There were uh, volcano eruptions in the Philippines, Japan, and Alaska, and flooding. There was flooding in Venice, if we remember, in Venice, Italy. Um, It submerged the entire city. 
There have been landslides, mudslides, tornadoes. You name the natural disaster, and I think we've pretty much experienced it in the last few months. And it goes without saying, as I speak, we are now in the throes of the coronavirus, aka COVID 19, also known as SARS CoV 2. With so much going on in terms of disaster preparedness, I actually pushed back the airing of this uh, podcast of season two because 2020 left me trying to take it all in, observe, reflect, and again, just generally wrap my mind around the full spectrum of all that has been happening. I've been trying to help all those I can in some measure, trying to make sure, especially that myself, my family and friends are in good health and informed. Sorry, I'm getting uh, some some text messages. I pray the same for all of the listeners of this podcast. But before we get on topic, I want to take this opportunity to thank those in the medical profession and all other essential workers who are out there on the front line working in spite of COVID-19 and providing much-needed services for those of us who are staying home. My prayers to each and every one of you and your families. You are sincerely appreciated. Stay safe and in good health. Listeners, if you would, please join me in a moment of silence, in honor, and as it applies in remembrance, of those who were victims of this virus and in support of their families who are grieving. As a brief housekeeping note, I wanna apologize for my my voice. Um, My allergies are very, very flared right now. There has been a name change to my company and podcast. It was Ready or Not with Aftermath Disaster Preparedness. So I've revised that to make it short and to the point. It is now Ready or Not Prepared. I really have so much to share with you, but don't want to make this episode too lengthy. As a matter of fact, my goal is to keep my podcast episodes no longer than 20 minutes. So cross your fingers to see if we can make that happen. Now, on topic, there was an article uh, a few weeks ago in the Washington Post. And the headline read, the coronavirus is infecting and killing black Americans at an alarmingly high rate. Now, for me, this headline broke my heart. And that's because we found that aftermath disaster preparedness, which of course, as I stated, has now been changed to ready or not prepares. 
We founded it some six or seven years ago to help in headlines like this. But here we are. The disparities deserve a glance. Some stats, for example. In Milwaukee, Blacks make up 26% of the population, but are 73% of the deaths that are attributed to the virus. Nationwide, Blacks are affected three to four times more than any other race. Not to mention Latinos. Latinos in the U.S. are pretty much suffering the same fate. So I want to briefly deconstruct the reasons that were outlined in the Washington Post article. And of course, I'm going to add my commentary um, as I go over each item. So the first bullet item. It read, higher rates of underlying health conditions and less access to care. We can probably agree that health care in the United States is generally not affordable for most. So it goes without saying, you can't fully access what you can't afford. As it relates to to the coronavirus, just know there is no real testing on the ground in this pandemic. The more I speak with people about themselves or their relatives, they inform me that the only way to get tested is if you are in dire straits. And dire straits meaning like seconds from needing a ventilator or seconds past needing it. So just imagine how this translates for those without health care, for the homeless, or even for those who are incarcerated. As we've said in so many episodes prior, as it relates to the Black community, do not expect first responders to respond to us first. Do not look for government or first responders to quote unquote, save you. It's not usually going to happen that way. And if it does, it's going to take a while. And that's just a fact. In this moment, we are literally and figuratively, in most cases, practicing self-reliance, self-care, and instinct. Okay, so the first bullet item in its entirety read, higher rates of underlying health conditions and less access to care. So now we just covered less access to care. Let's deal now with the higher rates of underlying health conditions, which in essence is pre-existing illnesses. Here's the thing. Black Americans lead in most diseases. We have the highest rate of diabetes, which by extension can lead to kidney disease. We have the highest rate of asthma, of which I am a sufferer, of which I am suffering right now. Uh, We have the highest rate of lung cancer. We have the highest rate of high blood pressure. 
which of course is linked to strokes and heart disease. Now, all of these diseases weaken our immune system. And all of these diseases leave us susceptible to the coronavirus. I have to say it, our diet plays a huge part in this. We have become habitual in eating from someone else's kitchen. In the 21st century, this is where we are and this is how we're getting our nutrition. From whomever happens to be on shift for the day or evening in whatever restaurant or fast food spot. And what's more, even though we are quarantined, we are door dashing, rub hubbing, and the rest, which means we are still relying on others for our nutrition. Greasy, processed, and sugary foods leave us susceptible to the coronavirus. We are now in the during stage of this pandemic, and there is not a lot of inventory on grocery store shelves now. On a real level, we need to start some level of rationing the food we prepare in order to stretch it a little. We don't know actually when or how this pandemic will end. So if food is scarce now on the, 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 uh, at the grocery stores, I think we have to kind of put some level of preparation in place just in case that becomes more intensified. So what does it take to survive in emergency or disaster situations in terms of the foods we eat and give ourselves? Some very quick suggestions on foods and these that those that will store and stretch. Consider rice, noodles, quinoa, potatoes, wheat, beans, uh, get your canned foods, get your canned vegetables to have on hand. Um, as the climate is now, you can still get fresh produce. So if you do get those, be sure to eat them first or freeze them. And gardening. Gardening is key. So consider growing your own food. Health-wise, be sure to buy food that will boost and keep your immunity strong. And that's dark leafy greens like spinach, carrots, you can get yogurt, uh, citrus fruits, broccoli, uh, sunflower seeds, ginger. The next bullet item was Black Americans hold a lot of essential jobs. True. Black and Latino. Essential workers are on the front line, risking their health and indirectly the health of their family members every day. Essential workers, be sure to monitor your mental and physical health. If you're not feeling well, stay home. And when you do go in um, or are working, when you do get home, be sure to decompress. Listeners, 
we should stay on Congress and all other elected officials to provide hazard pay to essential workers. The next bullet item was insufficient information. So saying black Americans are receiving insufficient information. Maybe, maybe not. Um, and again, this is just my opinion, but I'd like to say in some cases, black Americans can receive too much information. I call it chatter. There is a lot of word of mouth in our community. It's in the airwaves. It comes from this source and that source. You can get it on social media, through a text. Sometimes we get so much information that it's really hard to know which way to move because this so-called expert said go left, this one said go right. Someone on Facebook said turn in a circle. I remember at the early stages of this, having been at disaster preparedness for some time and putting things in a historical context, I was armed early with my face masks, my N95s and others, and definitely had them on in my commute, even in the office if I thought someone had germs. And everybody around me were like, Michelle, the CDC, the WHO, the president said, we don't need masks unless you have the disease. I was adamant and knew my research and whom I trust. And I said, the one thing that won't be taken in this disaster and prayerfully others is my common sense. So needless to say, I've had a million debates about the mask, but I did my due diligence and used my sense of discernment for my overall survival. So listen, Utilize some level of discernment in all you do. Due diligence is not a lazy man's task. Do your due diligence. Do your research. I personally take a broad net approach. I'm looking internationally. I'm looking historically. I'm checking reliability. Throughout and especially at this stage, I'm watching the world theater with regard to COVID-19. I keep my eye on Wuhan because they are the earlier victims of this and I'm studying them daily. Lastly, the article cited housing disparities. So we have, you, you have these urban landscapes where most people are stacked on top of each other or just packed around each other. So the ability to spread or pass on the virus is in place because it's a communal environment. You share doorknobs, elevators, keypads, sometimes mailboxes. So just be sure to wear your PPEs if you live in apartment complexes, etc. If you, you know, live in close surroundings, be sure to wear your PPEs. Um, And by PPEs, I mean personal protective equipment. Make sure you're washing your hands often. Make sure you have hand sanitizer. We all know by now hand sanitizer is simply 70% rubbing alcohol and aloe vera gel. And if you don't have gel, 
alcohol will suffice. I think the gel is just in there for consistency. The fact that Black people make up the majority of communities that live near landfills or toxic waste facilities definitely plays on our health and the ability to fight certain illnesses, especially respiratory in nature. This makes us susceptible to the coronavirus as it relates to housing disparities. For all the factors mentioned, we can turn this thing around by improving our diets, boosting our immunity, doing due diligence, being resilient, and self-reliant. On a side note, dispose of your PPEs in the right way, please. Do not throw your surgical gloves or masks on the ground, etc., so that the next person is contaminated by what you were trying to protect yourself from. That's just selfish. My personal bullet item is adherence. Adherence plays a part. Simply stated, follow the guidelines for your own survival. Ultimately, we are all in this together, nationwide, worldwide. What one does affects the other. We've seen it time and time again. What might start with one race or country or gender ultimately can and usually will jump and affect other groups. We've been told to distance ourselves. We've been told to stay at home. We've been told to wear PPEs. Be mindful. The key in any disaster is adaptation. When there is any emergency or disaster, something has to change. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have to do something in the short term or maybe even the long term to adapt, which means we can't continue on with life as normal. Things have to be put in place in relationship to the disaster. So when I was thinking about this, thinking about what does it take to survive, thinking about adaptation, thinking about self-reliance, the person that came to mind for me was my grandmother. And that's because my grandmother, who was born in 1914, and is no longer with us. She lived through all types of disasters. She lived through sharecropping, two world wars, the Great Depression, the Tuskegee experiment. She lived through the civil rights era. She lived through Jim Crow. In terms of pandemics, she lived through the polio epidemic, the Spanish flu, the Asian flu, the Hong Kong flu, the flu. I mean, AIDS was even in her time. However, she and those like her used their resources. They made practical use, okay, or let me say it um, as it was uh, in terms of today, for holistic utilization of the resources they had around them. And I said all of that to say, we are now going to have to incorporate this same level of preparedness in our lives today. 
We are going to have to improvise now. We are going to have to rely on instinct. We are going to have to adapt. We are going to have to find some measure of self-reliance. And I'm almost at the conclusion, but I'm going to call this segment, I Have Questions. I do. I have a few questions as it relates to the coronavirus. I mean, just questions that we all should maybe consider. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole with any further discussion on the virus necessarily. I want to stay in my lane as it relates to preparedness, but just some basic and fundamental questions. Okay. Like... How many strains of this virus is there? Now, bear with me as I try to get this correct. We were initially told that patients' symptoms were fever, dry cough, sore throat, uh, headache, and myalgia, or um, in other words, achy bones and muscles, and shortness of breath. We were told it was similar to pneumonia symptoms because it's an acute respiratory illness, mainly attacking the lungs. Later we hear there is a connection between COVID-19 and the heart. Is that so? Recently we've been told that the virus is connected to heart damage. So now people are having strokes. Not even that, It's patients in their 30s or 40s. Albeit, initially, it was predominantly elderly men. Another interesting development in some people is the loss of the sense of taste and smell. And the most recent new symptom is what's called COVID toes. COVID toes is when the toes turn purple or blue. So how many strains again? It's just questions I have. Another question. What calculation measures are in place to really know how many people are or have been infected? America now has the highest number of cases in the world, I think. What's the calculation mechanism? If everyone isn't getting testing, how do we know what's the calculation mechanism? Another question, is it airborne? How is this virus actually contracted? We're at a point that people are afraid to touch delivery bags, their cars, the mail. And how many times can one be infected or reinfected actually? Lastly, do we yet even know how the virus originated? To date, this still has not been established. Remember the chronology? Originally, it was stated that the virus's origin were bats. Or was it a singular bat? I'm still not clear on that. Then it was a snake or snakes. 
Then it was the pangolin, right? Have you seen the pangolin? This pangolin looks like a, like a snake with scales on it. Like it's a scaly snake type of animal. Maybe we can't just be told that the sun is the moon and just accept that. You know, without really questioning what is being told to us if it doesn't add up. It's like I shared about my wearing of the mask early in the process. If it doesn't mesh right with what we intuitively know, then perhaps we should demand answers. These are just questions to which I'm trying to find the answers. If I get them, you'll be one of the first to know. My comment to our community. Governors have decided to lift the stay-at-home order in several states. It doesn't go without notice that the initial businesses that are opening these personal services businesses are centrally located in the Black community. As I stated earlier in this episode, there comes a point in disaster and otherwise, where we have to use our common sense for survival. Basic questions have not been answered about this virus. Those who might consider going, are you really willing to risk infection to yourself or family for deltives or new tattoo? And gyms opening. How does this make sense? My finishing thoughts, and I'll run through it very quickly. I've been asked to specifically suggest immune boosters. I personally take astragalus, echinacea, ginger, which has antiviral compounds, licorice root. I take honey, lemon. I drink lemon tea most mornings. Um, turmeric. Turmeric has curcumin in it, um, which is immune boosting and activates your white blood cells. And so does cayenne and cumin. Uh, I take elderberry. These are my holy grail herbs. Okay, just stay, be sure to stay hydrated. Um, have a source of electrolytes. Uh, make sure you exercise. We are now in a sedentary state. You want to create a fitness routine of some type. Be sure to do so. Try walking. I do so um, when my allergies are not flared, but definitely try walking. Walking also allows you the ability to get much needed vitamin D. So I conclude this episode with this. Although we are dealing with COVID-19, it does not stop, slow down, or halt other emergencies or disasters. Remember, April ushers in allergy season, so please be careful about allergies because they can mirror some of the virus's symptoms. In April, the threat of severe thunderstorms, frequent rain, and flooding increases. And April brings tornadoes. Tropical storms usually develop in the Atlantic in April. Lastly, continue to watch the news. The Trump administration has conflict brewing in Venezuela and Iran right now. So please be mindful.
be sure to join me next week when our topic will be alternatives to some of our essential household and personal care items during a disaster. Please remember, I'm not here to scare you. I'm here to prepare you. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Ready or Not Prepares, the disaster preparedness podcast. If you like the show and want to know more, be sure to visit our website at www.readyornotprepares.com. We're on social media platforms at Ready or Not Prepares on IG, Ready or Not Prep on Facebook, and you can subscribe to our new YouTube channel, Ready or Not Prepares on Air.